And hello, all you Lasso fans out there. Welcome back to Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fan cast from the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois. And we are here with our review of Season 3, Episode 9, La Locker Room A Fall. That's right, everyone. Anytime we get a musical theater reference, you know we're going to be calling it out. Uh, and this one has a lot to say about the play that its namesake of the episode comes from, of course, La Caja Fall. I'm Jeremy Geckner, and here with me as always, my co-host, Mr. Craig McFarlane. What's up, man? Hey, man. Uh, first of all, I just want to mention, holy moly, you all are incredible people. Yeah. So <laughs> well, last week uh, I shared a bit about, you know, what's going on with me. And seriously, the flood of emails and flood of messages and posts in the Facebook group. Um, you guys, I, it's just it's remarkable the community that this show has built and the people that it brings. So literally at the very beginning of this, I just wanted to convey my gratitude. Um, just for those of you that are wondering, the move went really well. So coming at you live from my other uh, house now and yeah, things are moving forward, you know, onward forward as we move through this. But I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, it was just tremendous, the response and uh, certainly made me feel very uh, special and heard and I really appreciate that from all of you. Yes, of course, uh, everyone. Uh, look, I'm not Craig. He just told you what he feels about your support. But I know it means the world to him. And it means the world to me that to show that you're supporting him and everything, of course, in, in what uh, went down there. And, of course, we moved you into your new house. That's a little behind the scenes uh, for everyone there. We uh, did it all on a Saturday. Got it all knocked out, man. We were doing really good stuff there. Um, but, yeah. It's, Jeremy uh, showed up at least an hour late. An so, hour late. Uh, yes, of course. He worked out really but... <laughs> well because the piano was already moved and everything else. No, I'm, I, I have. Great time, buddy. Of course, it was so <laughs> great having uh, all those friends come and help me, and then again that support. So, but man, um, now we get to talk about this episode nine, where we get some personal growth for our yeah. boy Roy Kent. What about uh, you talking about support, man? This whole episode is all about support, <laughs> about the support systems we think we have that we think we don't have, and of course, supporting people no matter what uh, you might think that may be going on in their lives. So lots of stuff to get to, but of course, as always, we always want to start with you guys reaching out to us, and man, oh man, you are uh, taking the cues. Uh, these reviews continue to get more and more each week, um, but true to our form, we are going to try to get to all of them so uh craig boy do you have the first one there because this one's pretty exciting yeah it is it says thank you from kenya from, from kenya, kenya. Uh, so, so babin 64 babin 64 something 64 yeah. i love your podcast guys i used to think the best way to enjoy the series was to binge but your podcast makes me appreciate and deeply understand every single episode so waiting for another week is worth it and it makes it better. Aww. And then some nice uh, heart emo emojis as well. Yeah, my emoji game is not is not very good, but that emoji game is very good. It gets to our hearts there. Um, also here from uh, Suzanne U19 uh, says, the podcast I didn't know I needed. Uh, I work from home and podcasts are my lifeline. Hey, we can uh, relate there. I'm not late to, I am not late to the show, but late to your podcast. I'm going back to season one to rewatch and then listen to your podcast. Woo, that's a lot of us in your life. Uh, working mom with two small kids. Your podcast is my mental vacation. Oh, wow. I, I get totally Totally immersed. Thank you. Well, thank you, Suzanne. That is very, very meaningful to us. Absolutely. And then we've got uh, Lena K23, and it says, not about me. Keep shining. Bingo, Ringo. I Bingo, found this Ringo. podcast recently, and you both do an incredible job keeping up with every episode and keeping it alive, helping me to see the things that I have missed. And I look forward to the podcast each week as uh, the episode breakdowns. 
of all the other podcasts, this one is it for a Ted head. And again, whenever <laughs> other podcasts are mentioned, just want to put in a stipulation in there that we love this last love community, them all. but thank you, of course. It says, I'm on the West Coast, so I'm not going to comment on your love for the Packers. Oh, you man. Do you. Thank you for this podcast. I don't typically write reviews, but Craig, your openness and your parallels to your own life of this show uh, can help get through some tough times. And you've said so many other things that are going on in going through, maybe not the exact same thing, but they might have similar things in their lives. That is what's so beautiful about the writing of this show. It doesn't matter who you are. There is someone that you can relate to. Anyway, thanks for allowing us to feel with you. You guys are incredible. I don't know what I'll do after the series ends or the season ends, but I'm glad that it happened. Yeah, fantastic. And I mean, that's what we're going for, guys. We we This show is helping us all share our lives with each other and uh, just kind of being there. So another one from Pug Ballerina 316. That is a fantastic name. Uh, it says that I found this podcast when catching up on season one and two earlier this year. I really enjoy the episode breakdowns and commentary from the host. They are genuine and vulnerable while still doing a great job on covering the facts of each episode. I learned something new from the podcast discussion before I rewatch the episode. Hashtag be a goldfish and hashtag believe. That's right. Thank you very much there, Pug Ballerina. Uh, be careful on those bars if you're a pug, man. That might not work. <laughs> and then La Lindia, it's like hanging out with friends who love Ted Lasso as much as I do. I'm already imagining how the podcast is going to go while watching the show. Superb. Oh, man. We're taking people's experiences watching the show. This is weird. Uh, from uh, Katie Evans, she says, I stumbled upon this very cleverly named podcast. Hey, Craig, there you go. Uh, this weekend and proceeded to binge listen to the entire season three recap in two days. Wow. Again, too much of our voices in your heads, guys. Uh, it's so wonderful to share my hyperfixation on this show with people who are equally as obsessed i laughed i cried i'm so thankful for this podcast let the binge listening continue hashtag believe thank you so much katie all right and then our last one meckle i believe meckle. it says yeah. best ted lasso podcast jeremy and craig do an amazing job hosting the podcast great insights on ted lasso wonderful discussion from the hosts and clearly love the show you can feel your enjoyment and excitement beyond the episode reviews, which are excellent. All the interviews and bonus content is fabulous too. I wouldn't change a thing about the podcast. Okay. Maybe one thing the episodes could be longer. <laughs> I love Ted Lasso and I love to listen to more peanut butter and biscuits. Thank Craig and Jeremy for a great job, man. See people, we would love to go longer, but I don't think we have the stamina for it um, anymore. We're doing about 15 other shows for the Front Row Network at the same time, but we do appreciate that. Look, guys, these comments overwhelm us. They really do. Um, we just absolutely love that you're all out there listening and that you're taking the time to reach out to us. So once again, go on iTunes, go on our Facebook page, write us a message. We will read it right here on the episodes and let uh, the world know your thoughts. So once again, thank you very, very much. But now, Craig... I think it's time to get into La Locker Room of All. You ready to go? I am what I am. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> keeping it. Keeping it all. You are what you are. <laughs> More on that later, everyone. All right. So we uh, open with uh, the overture music here, and I believe this is the overture music from La Caja Fall. So I didn't it double check Absolutely it, but is. it sounded like that to me. Um, and for those of you who don't know La Caja Fall, it's a musical um, that you probably know better as the Robin Williams, Gene Hackman film, The Birdcage um, from the uh, mid nineties. Um, so that was a, a play that was turned into this movie, a musical that was turned into this movie that was turned back into a musical. So um, a fun journey there, but it's a wonderful show. Um, 
But uh, the Overture Music is playing over clips of the team in training, and it just looks like they're having so much fun. Um, and this, of course, is one of the things that's going to happen here. Like Roy comments about how he thought it was crazy to change their style midseason, but that it really is great. Um, and then we get to see Isaac making an absolutely beautiful goal from their total football uh, strategy. The team is celebrating. Roy makes a compliment and beard faints. Uh, we saw that in the trailers, and it was a different angle on it. I liked that. Um, we didn't get the straight-on angle that we saw in the trailer, but uh, it still was pretty funny. Um, um, but this is where we're going to get a few instances of these happening in this episode, because this episode really is Colin and Isaac sort of coming to grips with what, you know, Isaac found out about Colin in the last episode. So um, Colin congratulates Isaac, but he just walks past him. Um, and so as we get back into the locker room, uh, there's a funny bit about Danny not remembering which socks are dirty, but he still bundles them together because they deserve a friend, too. Um, and Of course, they make that joke about Richard. It's going to happen a couple more times. Um, but at the water cooler, once again, Colin asks Isaac if he wants to go for a beer, and he just sternly says no. Um, and Colin is pretty dejected by that as we roll on our credits. So, uh, Craig, what's your impressions here? of this first opening salvo of like the team having a lot of fun, but still some tension between Isaac and Colin. Absolutely. Well, there's another thing that happens too. I love that we right away at the beginning of this episode, Roy Kent acknowledges that he was wrong really in that changing mm -hmm. the strategy mid season was actually a good thing for the team. Now that they're on this seven game winning streak, which we know will become an eight game winning streak later on. I think there's just a lot of personal growth for a lot of our characters in particular, yeah. Roy, but also Isaac as well. I will tell you that I was really kind of concerned. And I think that that's the way the writers wanted you to feel this entire episode, whether or not Isaac was actually mad at Colin uh, and dismissing him because he was gay. We, of course, learned later, and we'll talk about all of that, a great scene at the end where sort of Isaac is able to do a mea culpa and say, you know, I just felt like why why couldn't you have told me this earlier? And so, but like they do a good job of basically the entire episode. He uh, is sort of in this space where you don't know what his reaction was overall to Colin being gay. Um, and, and I do love like how much fun the team is having. In addition to being on the, the training pitch, you also see Danny Rojas, kind of vintage Danny Rojas, making fun of his socks and all of that <laughs> as well. So it's just a, a really fun opening. And it's sort of, I love how they do a good job of leading us into where the team psyche is in these openings, especially in the third season, maybe because they have that Premier League contract and they just decided to take actually more football scenes. But AJ and Mel, regardless of who's editing the episodes, do a great job of kind of interweaving some of these shots to make sure that you know that the team is happy, they're doing really well, and uh, that they're in a good spot, except for this tension between Isaac and Colin, which of course is going to come to a head in the Brighton match as well later on. Yeah, there's. A, you're right. Like the, the key factor of this is Isaac knows why is he upset, you know, and I, I will give it to Cola uh, a lot because he keeps us guessing on what it is just by the stoicism and the kind of just like the, the steadfastness of how he says things and uh, how he reacts to Colin and stuff like that. But of course, you're right. It's not for the reason that we think, um, as Roy will tell us later there. But um, I do just love like this slow-mo of them like playing football because it once again uh, evokes to me and reminds me of what Roy told Cola and what he what Roy told Isaac. Uh, in uh, season two there or yeah in season two where he took him to the street game and said you know like this is a game you're supposed to be having fun and there really is kind of this parallel in sports isn't it Craig that like when 
you know, a team is having fun when they're gelling. It just seems effortless. It just seems effortless what they're doing on the pitch, on the field, on the court. Um, it just feels like everything is just as it should be. And clearly the Greyhounds are there now. Um, and, you know, even though I've been predicting that run for about five episodes, it looks like they're finally there and that they are heading straight to the top of that table with West Ham. And we'll see what shakes out there. But just some really, really good vibes here cut into, as you said, by uh, all of that. So um, after that, though, we go and um, – into the uh, into Rebecca's office. Keely is there with Rebecca, and she's asking if she's heard from Jack yet. And we see that Keely has sent way too many texts. Way too many texts, man. They're talking about the double text rule, and she has, like, blown way past that. We're into, like, the 20s um, of something like that, so not good. Um, but, of course, Ted's bringing biscuits to the boss. The biscuits are back. Um, and we get, like, a kind of mini girl talk session there. Um, he tells, a, you know, a story about a fr an Irish friend of his that's always hugging people before he's leaving so he doesn't understand the term Irish goodbye. Um, and if I'm being honest with you, Craig, I don't quite get that either, but whatever, it's a thing. It's out in the world. Hey, if you're Irish and listening, uh, you know, tell us, what, what is the deal with an Irish goodbye? Um, but, of course, he says he's bringing Keely some biscuits too but it actually is just a box with money in it because he didn't know she'd be there but I wrote down that it's like this is like Ted is here again this feels like vintage vintage season one Ted here taking care of people and doing that he seems to be in a better spot um so Ted asked Rebecca if he can skip the press conference because some parent-teacher conferences with Michelle um Rebecca of course has family first and Keely suggests that Roy should do the press conference um and uh they have this whole little thing here about like uh country songs and stuff I won't give it just in case I'm ruining a Tedism for you um, but what do you think of kind of this opening scene here with Rebecca, Ted, and Keeley? Yeah, I really liked the dynamic of it all. You know, it's kind of fun to have Tim, uh, to, to have Ted, ah. holy moly, guys, <laughs> uh, to have Ted crashing some of the uh, girl talk because we haven't really had a scene like that in yeah, a little bit. for a long time. And so it's fun to see him in Rebecca's office and talking to these two. You know, Keeley, I think it's interesting that she's kind of starting to process what will ultimately be a breakup with Jack. And so I think that Jack is probably gone. And now, you know what? Like my prediction that Shandy was going to be coming back this season as well maybe doesn't make a whole lot of sense either, Jeremy. But yeah. maybe we just introduce these three storylines, Zava and then Shandy and uh, Jack to only have them disappear into the night uh, from Ted Lasso, <laughs> never to return. We'll see if I'm right in my initial prediction that Shandy will be back, but who knows from here. But it, it was just, it was fun to see all of these folks interact together. Also fun to see that Ted is still has Henry on his mind. There's a lot of Tedisms in this particular episode. And so I think what's cool about this is we just had this episode where Ted had the ability to actually be with Henry, but he was kind of outside of that. And he had his mind too much on Michelle and what she get proposed to and all of this. Mm. And so I like that Rebecca is the one that sort of got him to a spot to where he's going to go back to Henry and sing Hey Jude with him. And then she's also now saying, of course, family first. So that's uh, it's okay that he's going to miss this press conference because of that. So I just like that that dynamic was carried through as well, that it's really Rebecca, who of course is his boss and he does need to ask permission, but she's also giving him that space to be able to focus on his son and on those parent-teacher conferences as well. And I know you didn't get there yet, but I do oh, love- Go for it. I was about to just quickly Roy, mention it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say I love the Roy Kent and basically <laughs> focusing on the uh like he says no initially and then he tries to make a joke of it and then he says yes to yeah. his boss i just like it was such a great 
well done. Like the timing was perfect by Brett Goldstein. And I really enjoyed that little bit too. Yeah. The way that he just kept going, like, I mean, <laughs> just trailing off. It's just like, Roy, you don't get it. This is your boss telling you to do something. You're going to do it. Or is he, Craig? We will find out. Um, so back over at West Ham, Nate is in his office and uh, Jade brings him some lunch. God, I'm loving these two, Craig. I don't know about you. I am absolutely loving these two. Um, and uh, she um, uh, deliberately mispronounces his name as is their old joke and stuff like that. But I didn't know, Craig, like he gets frustrated at this. So I take that to mean like this has probably happened in this building to him a few times before. Um, so I don't think that's just like a generalized type of thing. But um, well, he doesn't know it's Jade right away. Yeah, exactly. And I think that he's still trying to like it to me. This is like West Ham. Nate, right? So this whole season, we've talked about kind of these two different sides to Nathan. And uh, we've talked about how hopefully he finally breaks that and, you know, Nate, the great returns. And I will say that we have a pretty good indication of that later on in this episode of something that happens. But I do think that that's what that was like, try to like kind of assert some dominance. I don't know Uh, if people would misname him necessarily, but that's how I read it kind of like You know, because when he's talked to players or other coaches or staff, he can be belittling at times. And so the fact that he didn't know it was Jade. Definitely not as much recently, but it's still there. Vestiges are still there. The building still isn't a good place to work. Um, But uh, she does say also that Derek is cool uh, with her uh, going and eating with him as long as he brings back something with the West Ham logo on it. And he very cutely gives her like four things. (laughs) He tosses water out of his mug. (laughs) I thought about this. Um, Is this kind of just a subtle... Am I reading too much into this? Is this a subtle um, bit of love bombing Uh, from a previous episode? You could make that case, I think. But I think it's also more Nate has no frame of reference for how to treat women (laughs) that actually genuinely That's true. And also, he probably is still in that mode where Derek makes him feel good, right? Because he gets to go into Taste of Athens and he gets the special seat and he gets all of this. So maybe it's also Nate being like, oh, yeah, I'm still the West Ham guy. I can give you all these things. Look at how cool I am. I wonder if it's a little bit of that too, but I did the love bombing come up, came up in my mind for sure. So anybody in the comments on our peanut butter biscuits, Facebook page, tell me what you thought about that little bitty scene. Was it love bombing? Was it Nate trying to just overly impress Derek and also Jade? Uh, or was it just Nate being Nate? Yeah. Cause I think there's just like this great sweetness that Jade like puts uh, in and greets him with, with there. He's just like, she's like, I only need one of them and stuff, but dun, 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 here comes Rupert to ruin the day. Um, he enters the office. Um, he does make kind of a funny, I thought genuine joke about, uh, you know, kissing Nate, which I thought was actually pretty funny. I wrote it down as a tedism. Um, but, um, not really Tezum, I guess we could just say, cause he says, you know, you got to his afternoon kiss before I could. I thought that was actually like a genuinely funny line. Um, but again, it, it kind of reminds you that like for all of the sleaziness of Rupert, there is still this charm about the guy. He still knows how to make a joke. He still knows how to enter a room and get noticed and stuff like that. It's part of the frustrating thing about his character. Um, but he does enter Jade, uh, does. I love that she does her standard, like cold greeting to him and stuff like that. Not giving him anything to, to go on. She uh, says that her name is short for jaded, uh, which was her mother's favorite aunt, which is pretty funny. Um, and uh, Rupert basically does like what I assumed Craig was like a flirting thing, like trying to place her accent and accurately does to, um, you know, like the South of Poland. Um, it just seemed like very strange. He very passive aggressively 
tells Nate not to mess it up and says that, you know, she would be out of his league if he wasn't so talented, stuff like that. There's a lot of, again, passive aggressive, like power play going off here. And, um, you know, I love that Jade's last night is like, he seems wealthy. <laughs> um, so, you know, that was pretty funny there. But what, what are you getting from this? Because we're going to get a few more instances of this, but like this scene in particular, some cracks are developing in the Rupert Nate relationship here as if it was stable to begin with. Well, that I'll tell you what, that relationship uh, with Jade, you said that Rupert has this charm about him. Jade's not buying it at all. No. And that's what I, I love this character for, that she's kind of calling a spade a spade with the whole, like, he seems wealthy and nice. Nice like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed that line from her. And then, like you said, the kind of the stone cold facial expressions. Rupert's trying to penetrate that with some of this charm and it's just not going to work on her. And I think that Rupert acknowledges that right away as well. And I think that that's why there's kind of a quicker exit from the room. Um, I, I appreciate that what this is doing is it's allowing Nate to see those cracks better mm -hmm. than what he would have before. And then ultimately we're going to see the somewhat kind of beginning of a separation between the two of them when Rupert is essentially trying to get him to cheat on Jade. Yeah. And he's not going to be willing to do that later on. Yeah. And I think if I'm going to give Rupert a Machiavellian type of personality here, which I think is a fair thing to do, I think he sees that from Jade's resistance to his charms that he's not the dominant voice in Nate's head anymore is what I'm going to think that this is. So I think you're right. Like the trip to bones and honey at the end of the episode, the attempt to get him to, you know, hook up with another person, despite knowing and that Jade is his girlfriend. I think you're right. Is an attempt to reestablish the power dynamic in Nate's head because that kind of, you know, passive aggressive stuff doesn't work forever. It really doesn't like people pick up on it. And, you know, Rebecca picked up on it. There's so many people that pick up on it. And, you know, like Nate is a smart, smart guy. He always has, been and he's going to as well so um i did write this down as a tenism too but i don't think i'm going to use it but i do love like when she says she uh, when he introduces he says she says it's worthwhile to meet you <laughs> which i just think is delightful it's absolutely fantastic but let's get to the press conference um, because we're going to have to answer this question as well, uh, Craig here, but Higgins enters uh, Rebecca's office. He asked if Ted knew, she knew that Ted wasn't doing the press conference. She says that she asked Roy to do it. Higgins says, Oh, well that explains a lot because we see that beard is actually doing the press conference. And this is getting heated uh, arguing with one of the journalists here. And it's all about uh, Joe Walsh versus Jimmy page as uh, one of the best of uh, the best rock guitarist of all time. Right. And this gets intense. I'm not going to quote all of the things, but basically Beard's thesis is that Joe Walsh is underrated and Jimmy Page is overrated, which is absolute hogwash. All right. It's absolute hogwash. I'm, I'm sorry, Brandon, but no, 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 no. Um, so Beard eventually explodes. Rebecca takes over the questioning and literally the only question they ask her is that same question <laughs> and she can't answer it. Well, she does. But um, was this one of your Tedisms? Because it wasn't for me. <laughs> So she comes out of the room and says, Higgins mockingly tells her, he's like, the guy from Cream as her answer, which is absolutely fantastic. Also, I mean, like, we know Keeley's a fan of Cream. Maybe she introduced Rebecca to Cream. Um, who knows? That's true. It's a pretty big rock staple over there in Britain, but... Um, but, you know, Rebecca is actually very, very angry with Roy and Higgins, uh, you know, says that it's just him, but still she's going to go do what she does here. So what do you think of this whole uh, press conference scene here? Oh, I just love uh, it's like, you know, let beard be beard yeah. and let him get let him get a little weird here. 
I actually miss, uh, you know, I was thinking back to this and listeners would probably, well, luckily no one actually called me out on it, but I kept mentioning that the big Ted and Rebecca scene had always come in episode nine, but actually episode nine last year was beard after hours. So, mm. um, and so I think that uh, it's kind of fun that we got a little bit of beard in this episode too, to sort of uh, carry on that. And it, it was just like, <laughs> It's I, weird. I love that. Like, I would love to know what question spurred that conversation <laughs> and how it got to there right? and then how it became so heated between the press and between him. And I just love like seeing Brendan Hunt just go after them was just wonderful. I have, uh, I don't have them necessarily in there as Tedism, but I love that line that it's, it's are you fucking Neanderthal? <laughs> yeah. That's when uh, Rebecca and Higgins decide it's time. We got to get him yeah. out of here. And then like how they close the door and Higgins is holding the door. He's and then Beard to tries in. to kind of go like through the window and he puts his hand up to his face so the press can't see him anymore. Uh. And it's just like the fun that they're having on this show, guys. I just really love these little itty bitty scenes to sort of break up some of the seriousness that we get because there's a lot of like emotional storylines that are going on this is really a team-centric episode and i would argue a very roy-centric episode and so the fact that roy now this is setting up a conflict between him and rebecca because he didn't listen to her and that's gonna really pay some dividends here in just a couple of scenes yeah and i, I do have to say also i love that uh he gets a dig in at stairway to heaven um, at the end of that of course I'm not gonna repeat it uh because you know kids might be listening but i will tell you this much um I do agree with Brendan Hunt on that one. I do agree with Coach Beard on that one. Stairway to Heaven, a bit overrated. Come at me, bros. Come at me, bros. All right? I teach guitar, so whatever. Um, anyway, really, I'm going to do one little out of order here. We do get a scene where um, uh, back at the weight room, Roy, he's leading weight training and everything. Rebecca barges in and yells at him to get his hairy ass uh, into her office. Uh, the team makes this urine trouble noise and everything. Um, he has a wonderful tetism, which I'm not going to get there. Um, but Isaac basically says he's right um, and says that they were talking. She was actually talking about Richard's butt. So again, like, you know, lots of stuff there um, the, about this. But Colin then enters Trent's office uh, to talk. Ted's on the phone with Michelle. A lot of fun little tetisms here as well. Um, but basically he's asking Trent, you know, or telling Trent that that Isaac has found out. Trent tries to joke it off with a Henry Lasso science grade joke and everything like that. Very Ted like. Um, but Colin uh, says that Isaac didn't react well. And Trent basically tells him, you know, it's not fair sometimes, but sometimes you have to give people time. And so he seems to be OK with that. Um, real quick, what do you think of like that? Those two scenes there before we get into Roy and, and Rebecca. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that, like you said, the the Roy Kent and Rebecca, we're going to get into that a bit more here in just a second. So I'm going to focus on uh, particularly Trent and Colin, because Trent's still kind of being this mentor and being this guide through things and allowing Colin to see the bigger picture, except especially if someone has already gone through a similar circumstance and then them allowing for you to be able to kind of have that ability to know the pitfalls in it. Uh, actually, Weirdly, I mean, I know that like these two are not necessarily uh, at all related, but uh, I don't know if I've mentioned it even this season. So new listeners may not know that Jeremy and I are humongous fans of the West Wing. Hell and yes. there's just this beautiful uh, in it's in Noel. It's in their Christmas episode where Josh is having some PTSD around uh, a an incident that happened at the end of season one. I'll try to leave this as spoiler free as possible <laughs> for anybody that's going to go back and watch West Wing for the first time, because you will make your life better by watching 
being the West Wing. But Every there's this time. great speech that Leo McGarry gives to um, to Bradley Whitford's character, Josh. And essentially it says like, hey, I've been down here before. And it's a story about somebody falls in a hole and a lot of people walk by, including a priest and a firefighter, but they keep saying that the hole is too deep. And then a friend walks by and jumps into the hole. And so, of course, the uh, response is, well, why did you jump in this hole? And then uh, Leo gives the line, a great uh, delivery of the line. Well, I've been down here before in this hole and I know the way out. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of like got that sort of vibe, that mentor vibe between Trent and uh, Colin here as well. And so I really love to see that relationship continue throughout this episode. And I'm kind of excited to see where it goes from here because, you know, again, I'm jumping around, but he told Trent the thing he wants to do is to be able to kiss his fella at the end of a match. But then also Colin is still telling Isaac at the end here that the team now knows and that he doesn't need to go public with it because, of course, he mentioned to Trent when they were in Amsterdam that he doesn't want to be like that's all he's known Mm -hmm. for and that Mm -hmm. that he's this kind of like icon or image that people have to uphold. He just wants to be able to be himself and that it not be a huge deal. So it's just it's kind of like this interesting juxtaposition. So I do not think that this Trent and Colin mentorship is it's far from over in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's a tons of stuff that Trent's going to have to do for the rest of the season. And yeah, I don't think we're done with this storyline with Colin uh, at all. We're going to have to still deal with some of that stuff, especially with, you know, what happens in the match. Um, and I don't think we're going to be seeing the end of that storyline as well. But speaking of mentors and speaking down to people, Rebecca, Rebecca and Roy here, Roy enters the office, literally asks what her problem is. And again, I just love that she just like plays it off. <laughs> Wait a minute. I know the answer to this one. You <laughs> again, just a lot of fun uh, that they're having with line delivery here. Um, he apologizes and said that he didn't think it was a big deal. Um, and she turns this to his overall life philosophy and asks him like, oh, is that it? Like, if you don't think it's a big deal, you just don't do it and everything. She asks him what he wants and he says to be left alone. And the whole thing's a Tedism here, but I'm basically saying she gives him the kick in the ass we've all wanted to give him for a very long time here. Basically telling him you feel like you don't deserve good things, but you know, you're going to be alone and, and utterly unhappy if you keep going down this route, uh, basically. Um, and I do think that at the end of this scene, they come to this understanding with each other, like this great, like still friends. You, I needed to hear that type of thing, uh, is the vibe I was getting. What about you? Did you catch what happened at the very end? Rebecca lets out this breath of air. And I think that the, the reason why, um, is I believe this is kind of her also acknowledging that she needed to hear this a bit too. Mm. Uh, And and maybe I'm reading into that a bit too much, but I just kind of like, just, you know, sometimes when you just voice something out loud, it just sort of makes you feel clearer or makes you feel better about it. And then, so that's kind of where I got that breadth from. Uh, Maybe I'm digging a little bit deep there, but I love that she sort of is able to not only as voice boss, but also as Keely's best friend, tell this person that dumped Keely for seemingly uh, no reason, right? Yeah, because yeah. of the fact 
Yeah, because of the fact that we haven't really gotten a detailed reason from Roy, except for that there was something good in his life and he felt that he didn't deserve it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's uh, really some very good knowledge dropped by Hannah Waddingham here. Like she continues to have these scenes, whether it's with Ted or with Keeley or with Roy, where she just shows you that nothing against any other actor that's on this show that we all love. But she is kind of proving that she is the strongest actor on this show (laughs) because of the way that she delivers those lines, because of the facial expression, because of how she understands her character and her person. There are just moments where Rebecca's just little nods and winks and facial reactions this season are just out of this world. And so uh, who knows? Hopefully that that Emmy uh, is coming to her at the end (laughs) of this season. I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, It's just man just great stuff yeah great stuff here rebecca continues to be the boss ass bitch we all want her to be and roy uh is definitely going on his character growth journey and i think we can both agree this is the impetus for it um in this episode here so heading back to west ham nate is working late as he normally does now no maybe it's just me man but like when i see nate like there in front of the whiteboard like just looking over every little last detail i'm reminded that like Yes, this guy has such great merit as a coach all on his own. Like, he does prepare for everything. He is so incredibly smart uh, football-wise. So it's just really cool, I think, to see him, like, in his element there. But he's working late. Rupert enters again. And my God, Craig, this is just passive-aggressive assholery 101 here from Rupert uh, Mannion. And it is just not cool. Uh, He rudely very rudely take some of his baklava without asking. You do not take a man's baklava, Rupert. Don't be doing that. Uh, says it was nice to meet. I'm pretty sure he said Cade. Um, you know, mm-hmm. just doing a C on the front of the name, which not a name as far as I know, or not a common one. At Cade's least. a name. I mean, like, but clearly he just misnamed her. I mean, Purpose. But it's on purpose. He he is doing yeah. all this on purpose. And again, he also like says like, oh, there's nothing better than the love of a woman. And again, this is like him trying to reorient he on top of Nate's uh, in, in Nate's head. He's trying to once again say like, oh, I'm here. Like, oh, don't screw this up. Oh, we got to win tomorrow and stuff like that. So Nate goes back to work and he's kind of, I think, a little distracted there. But you're right. I think it's the cracks forming in his brain. But we, we continue going and it's match day. He walks past Rupert and he uh, kind of mimics Rupert's like humor style saying, oh, the kit man, I hope he brought 11 body bags and stuff like uh, and, and and that. And so you know, it's just the two of them, though. Uh, he asked Nate if he wants to go get drinks after the match. Just the two of them. Nate asks if Jade should come, and he says, nope, just us. Um, West Ham is taking on Southampton in this game, but over uh, across the town, Richmond is playing Brighton. So we're going to get two dueling matches here a little bit. Um, Arlo and Chris are commenting about how well the Greyhounds are playing. Um, and then at the Crown and Anchor, I love that the trio has to drink out of champagne glasses because May says the place is so crowded that they ran out of pint glasses. So that's just, a, again, I love that they continue to keep getting the crown and anchor guys in there um yeah it's just a lot of fun but up in the stands jack texts keely that she's actually going to be in argentina for the next few months so the breakup is complete it is official she gives keely uh rebecca and higgins permission to say all the things that she they don't like about her and higgins weirdly goes in on a firm handshake cool um whatever but he also has this funny bit at the beginning of that where he texts rebecca while sitting right next to her which i thought was pretty funny um so what do you think of kind of like the setup here for these two matches you went through so much and i'm gonna i'm gonna go 
way back to the Rupert and Nate stuff, which Good. listeners, I know you may have to rewind to because that happened. That was like ago. a minute ago. <laughs> All right. I know. I know. I just wanted to talk about Rupert and Nate because I think it's just such an interesting relationship. And uh, I, I, what I, what I really love uh, about all of this is that, you know, it's just this additional manipulation. And I almost like in a show where the writing is so perfect and excellent, I wanted one more thing to happen. So go with me mm -hmm. here, Jeremy. He grabs the baklava without Nate mentioning yet that he could have some. Yeah. Nate kind of mentions that as Rupert is grabbing the baklava. And of course, we know that Nate thinks that the baklava is divine. So I would have liked to see, you know, Rupert kind of either throw it away after he took a bite or say something about it not being yeah. good or whatever the case may be, kind of like this evil Rupert again. I also thought it was interesting. And, you know, I tried to watch with subtitles on as much as possible. But actually, when he invites Nathan to dinner as well, he's talking to a couple of guys before Nate comes out of the locker room. And I think he's talking about taking them to dinner. So I thought that that was kind mm. of interesting or maybe he was saying something about like we have to grab dinner. It was such a very brief thing. But I sort of thought that that was like sort of Rupert showing the audience that he isn't really just inviting Nathan out. Like they're going to meet up with a bunch of people, mm -hmm. maybe even more than just the, the two ladies that he's introduced to ultimately when they do go out. But yeah, I love that we got the May callback that May is now super happy yeah, because when yep. the team is doing well, then uh, the pub is full. So Crown and Anchor is so full that they got to drink out of the champagne glasses. I thought that that was a really cute nod back to just a couple of episodes ago where she's saying that, you know, being on a losing streak, there's no one there. And the, the old man that's like. I like it better. I like when no it this way. Here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I really enjoyed uh, all of that as well. And then it is kind of nice to get that official confirmation that uh, the break is in fact up yeah. uh, for, <laughs> for Keely uh, and for Jack. So I, I thought it was interesting. Now they cut it away from it, but she does say, okay, Higgins, Rebecca, go ahead and tell me all the things that you uh, wanted to tell me, but thought that you couldn't. And Higgins does, but Rebecca doesn't. Rebecca gets cut tell off or anything. Yeah, she does. I don't know. I don't know. Was I think she was also kind of trying to be like a will I don't know type thing. I think she wasn't going to go like hard hard after it. Well, and we got the cutaway right, so we don't yeah. know what the conversation was after that. But I sort of took that as like, you know, this is just a good friend that. Keely knows exactly how Rebecca feels about Jack. We got all those wonderful conversations about love bombing and not seeing the signs when Rupert was doing it to her. Mm -hmm. So she was telling her during the relationship because that's what a friend should do, right? And even though it's really hard to do that, you should be able to say like, hey, I just noticed this thing and it's a little bit off. So I just want to put this out in the universe. And I think that that's what Rebecca has been doing all along. So maybe it's just kind of a, a sign that Rebecca had already shared her thoughts and we didn't need additional thoughts about Jack from her. That's true. That's true. So, um, all right, everyone buckle up because there's a lot of heavy emotional baggage along the way here. Um, as we get into these matches here. So we're going to stick mostly, mostly here with the Greyhounds uh, Brighton match here. But so in the locker room, Colin is trying to wish Isaac good luck with a handshake and he refuses again. And this is where we see Colin getting like kind of like the most frustrated with it. He literally gives him the like, what, like, come on, dude, what, what are we doing here? Um, and when we even circle up, uh, Isaac even goes so far as to take his hand off of Colin's hand and puts it back on the top uh, of the there. And again, I just love a little call, uh, callback 
fact that he says, you know, Richmond on C and counts ABC. Because um, I'm pretty sure what, like, he can't count to, like, he can't, like, say the number nine or something like that. Um. <laughs> it was either eight or nine, and I'm sure the listeners will let us know. But I did. I actually had that as one of my Tedisms uh-huh. because it was back to that. But that's okay. It, it just continues this tradition of you stealing at least uh, I got, at least one of my Tedisms. I got, like, 40 minutes in before I did it once, so I'm getting better <laughs> about yes. that. Um, well, but as we get on to the pitch, though, Isaac is clearly not concentrating. He's making a lot of mental mistakes, one that almost cost the team that gets a, gives Brighton a corner kick. Luckily, Van Dam, uh, as he tells <laughs> Jamie, uh, you know, makes the save and, and things. But later then, Colin does actually make a mistake in the midfield that does lead to a goal for them going down one nothing and or 1-0. And Isaac absolutely tears into Colin at this point about the mistake he made. Colin is having none of it. He's really a sense of, oh, what, you want to talk to me now type thing. And and it, it's not going to stand in his mind. He walks away. Isaac is still very angry. Later, though, at the end of the half, um, the total football techniques take over, and they come very close to getting a goal there. Um, but unfortunately, the keeper takes it from Danny Rojas right at the last second. So as they're heading off the field, though, there's a lot of fans that are complaining. Lo- not a lot, but there's a few fans that are complaining very loudly from the stands. Um, and one in particular says something that sets Isaac off. Now, the, I'm sure that the editors deliberately make it so we can't hear this. Um, and, you know, we would think that based on the race thing, you would think that it would be one specific word. Um, mm-hmm. We learn later that it is not that word, but Isaac literally runs into the stands, very Ron Artest-like, uh, Malice at the Palace-like, rushes up to the fan um, and is just really giving him the once-over and stuff, pulling on his shirt. He's given a red card from this, so that means for those of you who don't watch uh, soccer or football on the regular, that means that the player is automatically removed move from the game and in soccer you don't get to replace that player so if a player gets disqualified with a red card you then have to play a player down so uh richmond is going to have to play this match with 10 players as opposed to 11 and the other team gets to keep their 11th player so it's a really a huge advantage there uh disadvantage for the greyhounds so roy um also though i did note has the fan removed uh, from the stands uh while this is happening so before we get back into the locker room craig what do you think of the on the field sequence here um and what was going through your head that you think is going through Isaac's head in most of this time. First of all, some amazing football shots yes. uh, that we're getting this season. I really enjoy those because we always talk about that. This is a show about soccer that doesn't focus at all on soccer. And we've been really getting a lot more of that this mm-hmm. season. And I just wanted to call that out for sure. But I love that, you know, the aggression to which Isaac comes up to Colin because you can just tell he's just so angry about Mm -hmm. something. And of course we learn later what that is, but it's just like, he is going to take that out on anybody that he sees, particularly Colin and particularly the fan. And you're right. So Sam even alludes to it later on that um, he said the F word, not that one, but the other F Mm -hmm. word. And, you know, we won't uh, say it here on the show either, but it's just like, it's just one of those things that like tips him off. It makes him so mad. He runs up there. And then this is where we kind of start to see as we go into the locker room that maybe Isaac is actually defending Colin and all of this. There's a lot that'll go kind of through the mind of the viewer as they're watching it for the first time because we're trying to see a bit of this drama sort of play out. 
I do like that they go down at the half because this might be the end of that win streak and we don't know where it's going to go from here. But we've also seen that the team can really rally around each other sometimes and we get some amazing halftime speeches. This one uh, is right up there with some of the other ones that we've gotten throughout the first two seasons. But I'll let you kind of go into the locker room first. Yeah, because and, and here's what I appreciate a lot about how they do these sequences here. They don't make it an easy thing. Like the easy thing would just be to be like, Support, 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 and everybody supports, and everything is great there. They give these little twinges, not of, you know, not of, like, you know, bigotry or, or bad-naturedness or anything, but just kind of like these, like, little micro things that sometimes people do that when you look at them through the prism of somebody who's going through what Colin is going through can seem to be just like, ah, come on, guys, like, don't do that, even though it's not, you know, nefarious or mean-spirited in any way. So, like, something about that um, – because, you know, Ted asked, you know, what happened there? Isaac says uh, some uh, fans said some ignorant stuff. Sam says he heard it. It was the other F word. And I do appreciate this one thing right at the start. The team, like, understands why this is a bad thing. Like, there's no, like, nobody is in that locker room saying, like, oh, that's it. That's all that it was. Like, they understand this word is not okay. This is not okay in, in any circumstance there. Um, so the team, Ted, like, tells Isaac that, you know, even though that did happen, his reaction is still not right, and it's still unacceptable behavior. Um, and the team is basically trying to support him, telling him, to, like, shrug it off, ignore it. Uh, Jamie even calls back the uh, episode one of this season, the, you know, it's just poop it, just let it go, and stuff like that. Um, but Isaac, this sets him off. He says, like, no, what if one of us is gay? Like, we shouldn't have to put up with that. And, you know, with that, he storms out of the room. Um, he gives the armband, the captain armband to Sam. There we go, everyone. Our mystery is solved. That's how this happens. Um, and I do, I'm sorry, but I love this little pantomime that Sam and Jamie oh, have. It was before. so good, guys. Like, it was so perfect. Because Jamie's like, well, yeah, I mean, like, give it to me. I mean, you it should know? be and me, right? Sam, and Sam is just Sam stringing him along. Gives him, like, like to heave is so funny. Like, it gives him this, like, Oh yeah, maybe, and then he gives him the signal. Just the little <laughs> so. middle finger, right at him. But he has like this big grin on his face, just like no man. Oh I'm my gosh, it. it was so good. Like just such great physical comedy between these two. I was just cracking up during. And that. it's it's also the fact that like Jamie is like genuinely disappointed because he was like he, Sam strung him <laughs> along perfectly. It was just like yeah, yeah, come on, get it. He's like oh, you know, it was absolutely hilarious stuff here. So Isaac, uh, he's in the booth. Jamie room. gets him back though in a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, Isaac's in the boot room and he's still fuming and Roy enters. Um, and basically, Isaac says, you know, I want to be left alone. He says he doesn't want to be yelled at. But Roy really gentles up here and he just sits down next to him, tells him that he's not going to do that. So um, back in the locker room, though, the team is still a little shook. They say that they're assuming that the outburst is because Isaac is gay. And that, you know, like this is what set him off. And John Moss actually says that, well, statistically, 10% of the world is is uh, gay. So um, and then Beard makes a comment about like how there's more people in the locker room than statistically that should be gay as well. And they all kind of look around at each other. Um, and then they all like kind of look at Jamie and he says that he's flattered. Um, and Sam says that it doesn't matter and that what Isaac needs right now is just for them to support him. And this is where we get a long close up on on Billy Harris on Colin's face. And you can tell he's finally ready and he stands up. So, Craig, there's a couple of different things there. But like, what did you think of like this sequence here where they're all just kind of like looking around at each other? Because, again, this is one of the things I appreciate they put in there because there's nothing like probably bad natured about it. But it still is just kind of like a eh, do better a little bit on that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I, I think that. Okay, this is where I wanted I wanted to bring up this discussion because there's been some talk online about this whole Colin storyline and some uh, people that, you know, 
I don't want to question anybody's fandom. I'll just say that I assume that they're all fans that are talking kind of in Twitter and online. Uh, some people have said that this story arc with Colin seems a little like 90s after school specialty. Uh, mm. And because of the way that they're kind of walking through these steps. But I think that, you know, the way that the team is reacting to all of this and kind of to learning about what's going on or the discussions that they have, um, you know, even the the great scene that we were given um, last week with the team, like, you know, I just think that it's nice to see them start to process all of this and ultimately we get the reveal that they're of course all fine with colin being gay but mm. it, it allowed for that build up to happen in my way an organic way and mm. what's the dialogue yeah. you know like is the dialogue back and forth and all that yeah you can criticize that if you want but i think that that's the snippy dialogue that uh, the writers have given us basically for two seasons. And this is a lesson that they want people to focus on. This is some story beat, um, much like Sam and the athletic activism and what that means for him and what that means to be an international so soccer player uh, away from his country. They wanted us to focus on this idea of, you know, that, I mean, um, who do we get it from? Is it Dan at the office that love is love, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. you know, like they, they want us to be able to focus on that. And I think that that is, done in a way that I really appreciated. But what about you? I mean, we're allowed to criticize the show if we want oh, no. to. And I, I certainly have in the past, but I just don't, I, I think that saying it's after school specialty is not a, a route that I would go. I wouldn't peg that on this storyline. Would no, you? No, I wouldn't either because there's, you know, after school special to me seems like a, a certain amount of melodrama that doesn't really speak to what people really experience in lives most of the time. And I think that this particular story, though, there's a there's a side element to it, not just the acceptance of people for who they are. Of course, that should always be at the forefront of our minds and everybody should be able to be whoever they want to be. Um, but there's also this element of team building that comes from that as well. You know, like even though, you know, and, and I think there's no accident that they put such an athletic feat happening after all of this stuff happens because down one player down a goal Richmond still is able to win this game off of the amazing play specifically of Colin and again you know he, he talked when he talked to Trent about how he had to keep those two sides of himself different you know like how it's just easier to do that but you see right here like that this weight is so far off him that now he can fully excel to his full potential on the field because he doesn't have to have these mental hurdles and these mental gymnastics in his head. They're taking up so many faculties of that. So that's why, no, there's no after school special thing in terms of, you know, again, like go and watch some of the after school specials. They're not this good. Uh, they're not this well written. Um, so I don't think that's fair. And, and what I'm saying about like the locker room thing too, is that you have to let, Colin still have that little bit of doubt in his mind. It mm -hmm. still has to be a good decision because if it's literally Sam just says he needs our support and that's it and everything. And that's like the only thing that they say, well, it's a pretty easy decision there, but because they're all looking around and I do want to also call out Phil Dunster's delivery of the flattered line because it wasn't a joke. Like it was not a joke the way that he said that, you know, when they're all looking at him and he looks and he puts his hand over his heart and he says like, I'm flattered. I didn't get that as like a him trying to laugh it off. 
You know, I, I think that Jamie's come a long way in, in, in this kind of thing, and he's very empathetic as a character now. So I, I thought that that delivery was really, really good. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think that they've organically got to this point where Colin is finally ready, and he's going to tell them the truth. Um, you know, so back in the boot room, though, Roy is telling uh, Isaac, like, he doesn't know exactly what the outburst was about, but he knows that's not what he's really angry at. And uh, he gives him this great advice, a sage advice, and hilariously, Will is uh, once again right here on the side of the the room listening to these important conversations happening uh the second time that's happened to roy this season uh, of course because of his conversation with jamie where will was in there um but back in the locker room uh the team is reacting to colin um they basically they all say they're cool and they show a lot of support to him and most of them very good naturedly say like you know like oh we don't care and stuff like that but that's where ted stops the conversation and he gives this wonderful wonderful locker room speech about how they do care and he tells a story about his friend steve from back home who was a broncos fan and you know the only one in their entire town and stuff and like when the broncos made back-to-back super bowls he wasn't able to you know enjoy that with anyone he had to watch those super bowls all on his own all because you know ted didn't care quote unquote and so he's basically just trying to tell him we do you know we don't care like it doesn't change how we feel about you but we do care that you you know went through this and now we're here you know, and I'm trying I'm trying very hard not to ruin the lines right now because we're going to say them in a little bit. But like, how did I mean, you that's feel I about say, this? Like, they, they all seem like uh, you could do this whole scene as a Tedism and some of those best speeches that Jason's given throughout the show. That's what you could do. You could really just read it verbatim and that could be your entire Tedism. But the fact that he uses this folksy charm to try to get a point across. And I mean, I know he's called out on it a little bit. He's like, <laughs> you know, at the end when they're yeah. like, hey. Uh, are you saying that being a Denver Broncos fan is <laughs> like, like being, being gay? <laughs> you know, uh, and and he kind of corrects himself a little bit there. But I love that he's using these analogies and these metaphors throughout to be able to kind of paint this picture of someone that was alone having to watch those Super Bowls, having to celebrate something that their team was uh, achieving. Um, and by the way, one of those Super Bowls against our Green Bay against Packers. Against our Green Bay Packers. Yeah, we remember. Yikes. Um, sorry. <laughs> uh, way to bring that back up at us, guys. Yeah, thanks, Ted but, Lasso. You know, yeah, exactly. I was on such a high after they beat New England in, uh, what was it, Super Bowl 31? Yeah. And so then John Elway came to town. <laughs> Yeah, and then Elway came to town. The, the, the helicopter spin, mm-hmm. guys, I still remember that. I yeah. still see that in my sleep Very vivid. every now and then. Very vivid. <laughs> <laughs> There's your Packer talk for the for the episode, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but no, you, I like, I, I just, I think that uh, Ted delivering this is so important because I think often we would say something like that. If someone were to come out to us or someone were to say, like to, to share with us, you think that the empathetic thing to say is, oh, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But really, he turns this on his head and it says, no, I do care about you and I love you mm-hmm. and I care about you and I love that you're gay. I love that you've shared that with me and I do care. And I think that that is something that like so frequently we just kind of fall into these kind of tropey answers or just like verbatim answers. It's kind of like when someone asks you, hey, how are you doing today? Good. Mm-hmm. Like, Okay. How many people are actually walking around feeling good or, you know, like maybe you're feeling great that day, but you, you kind of go into this standard response and that's what, oh, I don't care is. And so I love that the show takes that and puts that. And I don't care if that ended up on an after school special or not. Jason does a great job delivering it. And I think it's a good message to move forward with and something that I'll remember and I'll take from this show moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look. We, we stay away from politics, from activism, everything. But, guys, 
just let people be who they are. It doesn't it doesn't matter to you. Like if it makes oh, them happy, my, it makes yeah, them happy. Really? Just let like, people be and who that's they what, are. Like, uh, you know, they're probably preaching to the choir when it comes to most people that are in the Ted Lasso <laughs> yeah, audience. Think. But like you need to preach to the choir every now and then mm-hmm. to remind us that uh, we can be continuously empathetic and we can evolve and we can think about things. But yes, it is 2023. Let's just let people love who they want and be who they want. You know, yes. like what yeah. why what are we what, doing what impact does it have on you it's just ugh. anyway when craig and i run for public office we'll we'll tell you more about that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah. uh will never happen my wife will kill both of us anyway um so um we're gonna kind of wrap it a little bit here through here but i do want to say that like uh, jamie i love that he specifically reaffirms to colin that they've got him you know, like that, that they are like the team is there to support him again. I love they're giving Phil all of these little elements there. Um, so uh, Sam is now the captain. He says that he loves him very much. We get the little joke about like that on three and it's the team just appears to be renewed, Craig. Like, you know, they've gone through something hard again together, but they've been renewed. It's uplifting as hell. Um, Trent asked Colin if he's what he thought it would be a really funny thing about like, well, my best scenario is that they were all gay. <laughs> we could be on Oprah's magazine. Um, that's a pretty funny line. Uh, back at West Ham, they've won. Nate is uh, reading a story about Isaac, but Jade texts him to say, good job. Um, and Roger enters and basically says that, uh, invites him out for drinks. So look, the culture around like the tertiary characters of West Ham seems to be changing a bit. Um, you know, it seems to be the mood is shifting a little bit there, but he says, oh, he's got it. He's going out with Rupert and stuff, but, um, Roger still asks if he's in trouble. Yeah, I know. Roger just can't get over it. Uh, but back at Richmond, we find that behind Colin's amazing play, the team completes the comeback. They win it 2-1. to one. But then we cut straight to uh, Soccer Saturday, and they're talking about Isaac's incident. And George, our good old friend George, says that, you know, going into the stands is a line you can't cross. Uh, I happen to believe that. It's very hard sometimes not to, but I do believe that as well. Um, but he also says Isaac isn't fit to be the captain, and that's why he wasn't when he was coaching there. Um, and then we see the Crown and Anchor crew defending Isaac about a funny story about May's niece and the guy in the stands that was in her pub once and was mean to her niece and and stuff. Um, What do you think of uh, just kind of like giving that context to like, there's going to be maybe a public price to pay here for Isaac? Well, what I'll say is that, yes, there could be potentially, but also I, I want to jump back just a little bit to that Nate. He's already he's so focused still on Richmond. And then remember that Jade had just told him that she needs to that he needs to like celebrate those victories. And so she's saying, I saw you guys won today. Congrats With on some the emojis, win. Yeah, know? and all he says Celebrate is, yep. that victory. <laughs> But Nate is still reading stories about Richmond as well. Yeah. So I thought that that was kind of an interesting callback to a previous episode. But yeah, I, I think that uh, I don't know if there'll be a public price to pay necessarily for Isaac. I guess I don't. I'm so naive to uh, the way that soccer works that, you know, I think it would take what like. So technically, he's given the, the armband back to Sam, but that's only because he couldn't play on the pitch that day. So it's right. not like I think it just automatically would revert back to Isaac. Yeah, right? yeah, it, yeah. It's not going to necessarily be like. I don't think that there will be a team vote. I think the team is pretty much in Isaac's corner. So I don't know if this is one of those story beats that we won't return to. He might get suspended. He might get suspended for a match or two because, you know, going into the stands again, you cannot do that. Um, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that would make sense. But uh, either other than that, you know, yeah, I think that you're absolutely right there about Nate. Um, So when Nate enters Bones and Honey, he meets up with Rupert and there are two girls waiting with Rupert. Um, He, of course, mixes up their names because Rupert sucks. Um, And it's clear what's happening here uh that nate is very uncomfortable he says he thought it was just a guy's night and rupert literally just sleazily goes to his like oh believe me it will be um and i don't like 
this was an amazing moment here. Like, I love what they did with the sound editing here, fading up the music and uh, giving us just a little tinge of the, tin- in the, of the tinnitus, too, of just like Nate is having this clarity moment. He's having this clarity moment. It's just like, this is not what I want. And, you know, maybe that is what he thought he wanted a very long time ago for quite a while, but it's clear he doesn't anymore. He makes up an excuse that he has to leave and stuff, and he just came there to tell Rupert in person. And Rupert just walks away. He doesn't even say a word to him. He just walks away. Um, So, Cracks, they are coming, my man. Um, What's your read here? This is it. Nate's Nate's back. We were asking Mm. about the when is he going to stand up to Rupert? When is that relationship going to fall? When is he going to take the Emperor and throw him into, um, throw him over the edge, uh, a la Darth Vader? And that moment may still be coming, but this is it. This is, uh, Nate is going to be now redeemed. It's very clear that he's going to be redeemed. He, we all knew that that would probably come in season three because this is a return of the Jedi kind of yep. wrapping up this trilogy. And that's something that we needed to see happen. But this is uh, this is him. He's finally back. Yeah. He's got Jade in his life. There's going to be a very emotional hug that we get later on. And I don't know if you'll cover that because it was such a quick moment. Oh, we'll but it. <laughs> it's it's definitely something well, that I see as Nate, Nate being back. What you're talking about there. Yeah, let's just do that really quick because uh, we're wrapping up his story here. But basically, yeah, he goes back to Jade's. Uh, he's there at the door. He's looking emotional. And she asks what happened. Um, and he just hugs her very deeply and they both share this moment together um which is great um yeah i i think you're right though nate is back i think from this now we're gonna have to see how that melds with rupert um because i was getting vibes early in this episode that i thought he was gonna like try to steal jade type of thing and that's what was gonna like kind of put this impetus on them but i don't know maybe it's just that nate sees who rupert truly is now and you know that he's not really there for him he's there for rupert himself but let's get to this really really emotional press conference here it's our last big, big beat before the last scene. Um, Roy enters, not Ted. Uh, everyone gets very nervous, um, but the press asks if they condoned Isaac's actions, and he literally says, what a stupid question, <laughs> you know, because, of no, of course we don't. Um, but then he asks why he did it, and Roy takes this very big beat, tells a story about a teammate when he was coming up in Sunderland who was expecting a baby. He made a joke about it being his, and the man, like, literally beat him very hard, um, and this guy was kicked off the team. And so he said that no team would go to him after that, and he bumped into him into the, later that summer and apologized for his stupid joke. And the man told him that a month before Roy's joke that his wife and he had actually lost the baby um, and that he hadn't told anyone about it, and he kept it all inside. This is an amazing, amazing moment. Now, I wrote down the rest of his quote um, at the very end here as a Tedism, but he's, his basic thesis here is what a lot of people's thesis should be when it comes to professional sports. You do not get the right to just simply berate everyone. You can be disappointed with on-the-field play. You can absolutely be disappointed with on-the-field play. Craig and I are Packers fans. We're going to be disappointed with a lot of on-the-field play this year. But, oh, so much. Um, you do not these – are, these are people. These are literal human beings who are trying to do something entertaining and amazing, and you don't get to do what this guy did, and you don't get to say the things that this guy did, and you should automatically be ejected. I honestly believe that, blah, 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 blah. But this is an amazingly emotional scene. Uh, The song All That You Are by Bears Den playing underneath the whole thing. Find this song, people. It's always been one of my favorite songs of all time, Um, and it's absolutely emotional. Craig, talk to me about Roy Kent here. It was just, uh, you know, this is Roy's growth and you're seeing him really have so much heart and empathy. There's a, that, that line that you're going to give us a Tedism or, or maybe I'll steal it from you at the end uh, about love. Mm. Oh my gosh, it just hit. Um, and I would say that, you know, this extends beyond professional sports as well. This is 
to the customer service person that you're berating at the store because, you know, they can't return a certain item or, or whatever the case may be. Like you just don't know what people are going through on any given moment and how they might express that, even if they might later regret how they expressed it. And that's not to say that their actions are justified, much like Roy said, but you just don't know what people are going through in any given moment. And I really love that he nailed this press conference and Rebecca, again, it pans back. Rebecca gives him this nod that's just like, thank you, and kind of acknowledging that they both kind of subtly and silently acknowledge that they heard and understood each other in Rebecca's office and throughout this episode, and the the growth that comes out of Roy is just pretty incredible. Yeah, and I'll tell you this too, people, watch this back, and when they cut back to the back of the room, watch Keely, because she is having Mm -hmm. some kind of emotional stuff happening to her watching Roy tell this story, Um, and I think it's probably she's seeing the Roy that she knows and loves. And, you know, yeah. like, so I don't know, something emotional is happening with Keeley there. I hope we get it. I also do love that he calls the independent reporter new Trent and that he likes him better than old Trent, which is pretty funny considering Trent's at the back of the room. But um, we end this episode, though, with uh, Isaac going to Colin's house um, and he basically gives us the reason that I was hoping for, Craig, which was, why didn't you tell me? Like, that's what he was angry about. Um, and he even tells him, you know, basically, like, that's that's the thing that got him so upset that he felt like he couldn't tell him and that, mm-hmm. you know, he thought that they were friends and closer friends and everything like that. And I imagine there are quite a few people who, when their friends come out to them, do have that emotion. You know, they do feel angry that like, why didn't you think you could trust me or something? And, you know, it's all about that, but they have this great understanding conversation where, you know, Colin explains what it's like keeping a secret like that. Um, eventually he comes inside, they're playing FIFA together and <laughs> Isaac's just asking the questions. I'm sure a lot of people ask, but it, it seems very good natured if maybe uh, a little insensitive. Um, but... <laughs> I love, I loved all of them. I wrote them all down. Yeah, right, Just go through them. Yeah. Um, he wants to, exp- the explanation of what does top or bottom mean yeah. and bottom mean, um, would he ever share a woman or has he ever shared a woman? Uh, who's the fittest guy on the team? Which, which of, course, of course, Bumba Catch. Of course, that's what everybody Bumba says. Catch, yeah. uh, and then he asked him about team showers because if he had to shower up one, then he'd totally have a boner. Like that was a funny line. Just great. That was yeah. a funny, funny line. Um, but yeah, it, none of it's uncomfortable. Um, at least until Colin tells him that he loves him and stuff. And of course, Isaac can't say it back, but he, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it. That that is the end Ted is. Okay. I'm uh, not going to say it. I will just say that while this is happening though, we are hearing George Hearn's uh, version of I am what I am from the original Broadway cast of La Caja Fall, which I can't describe to you people how amazing of a song that is. It comes at the end of act one. And it's literally when this, you know, cross perform, you know, gay cross-dressing performer has had a very kind of emotional comeuppance uh, in the show. And he basically just sings this anthem of, I don't care. I really don't care what the world says. I am what I am and I'm happy with that. And that's what I want to be. Um, and it's just an amazing power ballad uh, that ends the act one of La Caja Fall. So um, listen to all these things, man. Um, any final thoughts here, man, before we get into some Tedisms? I, I just love that, you know, Isaac's not a dick and we don't have to be mad at him. Right. Um, because <laughs> They played it pretty well this entire episode, the first time that you're watching it through. And of course, the cracks come when he's kind of uh, he's thrown out because the fan is being negative and Mm -hmm. using a slur. But that's like that's like a fight or flight moment for him, though, isn't it? It's just like now when Mm -hmm. he's faced with like real bigotry in that in that sense, he goes into action. He springs into action to defend his friend like that's an amazing thing. Absolutely. But let's go ahead. And uh, I think it's probably that time to bring Larry Smith out, isn't it? Larry, you here? 
Tentisms. For each week, we share Biscuit's truth. Yeah, he's here. Thank you very much, sir. It's Tentisms time. There are a lot of them in this episode. Craig, let's just start knocking them off rapid fire. Let's go. All right, here we go. Roy Kent, right at the very beginning. You know, I didn't want to say it at the time because I'm, I'm trying to be less stuck in my fucking ways. But this is where he goes on to acknowledge that he can, uh, changing strategy midseason actually did work. And so I didn't finish that. But I love the growth of the character of Roy Kent mm. throughout this entire episode. And I think it starts right there. Yeah, I put it just a really folksy one that comes right after that, too. It's just like, they're having fun. We're having fun. These folks are having fun. It's just a whole bunch of fun. <laughs> Yeah, I also love uh, just because they're dirty doesn't mean that they don't deserve to have a friend from Danny <laughs> Rojas about his dirty socks. Being you know what? Up. A deeper line than you think, people. That's a, that's some deep, deep humanity right there. Um, I had to go with my boy Beard. I haven't seen 22 dudes this much fun, have this much fun on grass since I saw Grateful Dead jamming with the black crows and fish. Oh, it was a mess, but they had fun. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Ted and Keely and Rebecca scene just provide like the entire thing is basically a Tedism. Uh, but I love that Ted starts it off when girl talk turns into girl hug. You know, it either means something horrible has happened or absolutely nothing at all. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's pretty good. Us guys, we still don't understand women, right? No, nope, no, nope, <laughs> never, never a bit. Um, well, uh, and I think the next T-shirt idea comes from the last one of that one where he says, ain't nothing to it but to do it. That's right. Uh, and then the heart bent song about farting and leaving a fart. I mean, it I was a I nice song until that. there. <laughs> it was it was a very pretty song. Uh, it totally reminds me of a country song. And I loved all of that. Sorry, guys, I'm not going to sing it because I don't remember all the lines to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I had one to hear. Uh, every single one of you knows my ass isn't hairy and none of you spoke up and I will never forgive you. <laughs> the way he did it. Every single one, one of you. Of you. <laughs> knows my ass isn't hairy and i mean like just the, oh, the way man. they delivered it slowly and so pointedly at the rest of the team i actually had one uh, we mentioned it earlier but uh jade's line about he seems really wealthy but also nice like but also about, nice like um, I, I liked that one as a tedism yeah there's a few when he's meeting with uh henry's teacher i think he says so are kids still dissecting frogs now or is it more just talking about the frog's feelings <laughs> that's that's pretty funny that's pretty funny actually both both actually both yeah but there was another one did you have that one written down i did uh it's at the very end and he says you know my favorite thing about sir isaac newton he was so down to earth so down to earth <laughs> man a, a, a great a dad joke there um so uh i've got the one with uh, rebecca here and roy where she gives him the once over so she says you're just so convinced you don't deserve anything good in your life that you'd rather eat a bowl of shit soup and then complain about the portions. Get out of your own way, man, because this whole woe is me thing you've got going on is just fucking ponderous. Mm. Oh, yes. Slam. Woe is me, Roy Kent. We're yep. getting we're getting some uh we're getting some movement on these stories and I can't wait because we only have three episodes left. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um all right, so uh Leslie Higgins, his complaint about Jack, <laughs> her handshake was too firm. Ugh, I get it. You're friendly. You're friendly. <laughs> Man. Uh, it's always good to get a Higgins one there. Uh, I had one from Arlo White after Chris tells him about like different grades of hot uh, while you're on a streak. And he says, thanks for correcting me, Chris. And next time, feel free to wait until we're off the air. <laughs> I love that. I love that their chemistry and like, yeah, they're they've getting gotten, they have a lot more fun uh, Ted is in lines this season. And I think they had previously. Yeah. Um, Roy to our Sir Isaac uh, in the back of the training room. Uh, he says, Trust me, you got to go deal with that. Talking about his anger and what 
uh, else he might be angry at. He says, trust me, you got to go deal with that or you're going to fuck up whatever it is that you actually care about. Mm. Maybe a little subtle hints to Roy Kent's psyche a little bit too. Yeah, and I'm going to go with uh, Will's there as well, where he says, the little things we get mad about are like snowflakes on a mountain. And if we wait too long, we're one sneeze away from an avalanche that will kill us all. Oh, the wisdom of Will. That was great to have Will in there. And then Roy to say thanks. And then he's like, don't push it. Don't push it. I love that too. But my last three all have the word love in them. So Mm. I don't know if you have any other ones, but I can go. The the first one I had when Sam starts to say, I I love you guys so very much. And then Jamie steals the huddle call and the break from him. And they all go, I love you guys so very much. Like I love and they share like team. and Jamie and Jamie and Sam's like friendship now is so heartwarming considering where they start in season one. It's pretty great. Well, I got uh, one of Ted's big ones here, though, where and, and it's like at the end of the speech, he says, we don't not care. We care very much. We care about who you are and what you must have been going through. But from now on, you don't have to go through it all by yourself. And man, mm. is that not the point? Is that not the whole damn point? Yeah, I I loved it. And I know you said you wrote down basically all of Roy's um, yeah. end of his press conference. So go ahead. If you want to deliver it, I only wrote down one line. I wrote down four words that I think summed up the entire press conference scene. I, but go ahead. I think I got you there, but I'll, I'll do the whole thing. When he says, after he tells the thing about the guy who lost the baby, he says, look, I get that some people think that if they buy a ticket, they've got the right to yell whatever abusive shit they want at footballers. But they're not just footballers. They're also people. And none of us know what is going on in each other's lives. So for Isaac to do what he did today, even though it was wrong, and I think this is probably where you're going, Craig, I give him love. And as Mm -hmm. for why he did what he did, that's none of my fucking business. Mm. Mm. I give him love from Roy Kent. Oh. That's where it's at, man. That is where it's at. That's and where then, we of need course, to be as a society, guys. And I mean, I had uh, Isaac's line there. I think you probably have the last one, but I love that he actually says, you know, what is it about me that made you think you couldn't tell me? And that yeah. is definitely like it's all his own insecurities, guys. <laughs> but yep. where are we ending, and then Craig? The, we end the episode on Colin looking over at him and says, I love you, boyo. And then uh, takes a beat and then he says, but you can't say it, can you? And then Isaac says, no, but you know I do, yeah. Oh, and it's God. just perfect Nothing stuff, left. man. Uh, Nothing just, else. Just a perfect encapsulation uh, to the episode. I love that they give us Isaac to be able to channel some of those emotions of like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, like you said, maybe if someone were to come out to you, you're like, buddy, I'm your friend. Like, well, why haven't you told me this? But then also, you know, Isaac does still have some insecurities about this. He's asking yeah. these kind of like macho man <laughs> questions about uh, what it means to be a gay man. And then he says this thing where he can't say I love you uh, to Colin, but he acknowledges that he does mm-hmm. and in his own way. And I, I love this meme that I see going around a bunch. And it just says, like, let's normalize uh, telling our friends that we love them. Mm-hmm. Let's make it really weird. And I love that um, <laughs> because I, I think that we could probably use a little bit more of that in the world as well. But, buddy, what an episode. Yeah. I, I will say that, like, I think some people, if I had to predict, trying to predict uh, the oh, no. talk online <laughs> after this episode, I do want to push back at the after school special stuff. I also think that some might argue that this was a bit of a filler episode. I think if you did that, if you said it was a filler episode, you didn't really watch for the relationships and the character growth mm-hmm. that we got in characters like in Roy, like in Isaac, like even in uh, Keely a little bit and moving through this relationship with Jack. Uh, Rebecca is able to be Rebecca. We've made Rebecca great again, yes. uh, going all the way back 
back to season one, episode seven. So I think there was a lot in this episode and I can't wait to recap the last three episodes of the season slash series with you. We are getting there, folks. We're getting close, but don't worry. We will be here when it happens. Uh, Yeah, great episode. Um, Lots of interpersonal dynamics here. And again, just go with it, guys. Look, there's three episodes left. Let's trust the writers. Let's see where we're going to be going here. The football is getting better. Uh, You know, we're getting more football like on the pitch stuff and our characters seem to be rounding themselves out so that is what all i'm wanting from the end of this good endings for all um all right if you want more from us though folks go and find us on facebook the peanut butter and biscuits facebook group that's where you can get all of the interactions with all of your fellow ted lasso fans and it's fantastic and of course you can always find us on nprillinois.org under the community voices tab search for the front row network um all right craig anything else no, that's it for me. I just want to keep saying, uh, I'll, I'll recap it, circle back to the beginning and just thank you for the continued support. Thank you for listening. I really, we both really appreciate all of you. And uh, we can't wait to continue that discussion over in that Facebook page and on Twitter and make sure that you always reach out to us because we do love hearing from you. Uh, but that's all I got today. Yeah, I'm going to take Craig's advice and say that Craigy boy, I love you. And I love all of you listeners all the time, everyone. So for Peter Butter and Biscuits, I'm Jeremy. And I'm Craig. And as always, everyone, love each other and be a goldfish. Be a goldfish. Love you too, buddy. Love you, Jer. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.